Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 5. We're going to be um, parking there this morning and unpackaging this portion of Scripture. Uh, if you're newer to us this morning, we've been going through the book of Hebrews together. And as we've been unpackaging the book of Hebrews, what we've been looking at every week is that this truth that the writer of Hebrews is encouraging us that Jesus is better. Jesus is better than the, the things that we might hold most dear, the, our preferences, even our traditions that have helped us in the past. Actually, Jesus is bigger, better, stronger, all of the Kanye West song, all of that. He is better than that. And so our, our job as people who say, hey, I want to be a follower of Jesus, is to recognize that. And not only just within our minds, uh, but also let that truth come from here down into our hearts, right? You ever hear that saying, the longest distance is from your head to your heart? And it's easy to confess things, but it's harder to live things. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, I don't want you to just to know this truth. I want you to live this truth. And all of the things that you held on to before, uh, they pale in comparison to Jesus. And this morning, we're going to look at this truth that, that Jesus, well, before I get it, let me, let me help us with an illustration, a, a very um, real-life illustration that will help us understand this truth about Jesus being better. You know, last week, two weeks ago, I don't know where we were, it's, it's been a busy season, I think it was about a week and a half ago, Marianne and I were in Mexico, and we were with some friends. We were with Alan and Renell Frau and, and John and Kimmy Marshall. Uh, John and Kimmy lead Southlands Santa Ana, and Alan and Renell Frau lead Southlands Brea. And we, we decided, the three of us, to go down to Mexico, spend a the, spend the couple days there, and pray together, just hash some stuff out as far as what Southlands is, those kind of things. And, you know, we enjoyed the time. We were actually by the, we were in Rosarito by the water. It was just beautiful. There was a rainy day, but then the next day it was just like, oh, this is awesome. As we're making our way back, um, we found ourselves in Tijuana, and I'm not a great, like, international traveler. That's not, like, you know, something I do really well. And so we're relying on Apple Maps, Google Maps, Waze, whatever. We all had our phones out, right? And we're trying to navigate, get back through the border, like, how are we got to get across? Because sometimes it just takes forever to get across the border, especially on a Saturday. We're finding our way, and all of a sudden, Google Maps puts us in this lane that you have to have a pre like the sentry lane where you're already pre-approved, you don't have to go, you could just drive through. And none of us have the sentry pass. So we're like, oh my gosh, what do we do? You know, this is wrong. We don't even know where the border is. We're trying to find our way. And I'm probably driving a little hectically, a little sporadically, a little like, what is this guy doing? Well, we caught the attention of one of the local police officers, right? And so I'm just like, what is going, you know, right? So I'm like, oh shoot, we're all like, what? He comes up to the, comes up to the window, I pull over and he says, hola, como estas, right? Bienvenidos todos, donde esta la biblioteca? I don't know, whatever he's saying. And I'm just like, uh, sorry, uh, don't speak Spanish. And he does not care. Uh, don't install the biblioteca. And like, uh, again, you can say it however you want, but I don't speak Spanish, right? Um, and so John speaks a little bit of Spanish, and he's trying to negotiate with this guy, and um, he's saying things. He goes, I think he wants us to get out of the car. And so we're like, okay. So we start undoing our safety belts, and he's like, no, 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 no. Stay in the car. 
Um, I want your driver's license and your registration. And lo and behold, this guy speaks perfect English. So we are like, oh, okay. So I give him my driver's license. And listen, I talk a big talk. I like to say, man, if, you know, if I was in that situation, I'd get myself out of it. Well, let me tell you, you at, at the mercy of the Mexican police down there. And so I give him my driver's license, and he's like, I'm going to impound your car unless you give me your registration. And I'm like, this is going to be an awesome day. I was about to be like, Mike, Jeff, you're on for tomorrow because I'm not coming home. And so he gets over there, and he's like, okay, well, do you know why I pulled you over? And I'm like, no. And he's like, you were speeding. And I'm like, nope, no, I was not speeding. I was definitely not speeding. I know I wasn't speeding. Anyways, the whole story is he's like, you owe us $450. I'm like, well, I don't have 450 bucks. Long story, we get down to the police station. He escorts us. We don't know where we're going. I'm just like, is where you're going to end up some alley somewhere where his buddies are going to, like, give me all your stuff? I don't know. Start to see more police cars. I'm like, thank God. This is starting to get real, right? He brings me into the police station. He sits me down. He stands there like this with another guy across. He's like, 450 bucks. How are you going to pay it? And I'm like, I got a card. He's like, oh, uh, our ATM doesn't work. You, we need cash. I'm like, oh, here we go, right? Anyways, it goes down from 450 bucks to $130. And he's like, sorry, I can't give you a receipt. I'm like, I know. I, trust me. I already know what's happening here. <laughs> we finally make it across the border. Now, what I needed, what we all needed in this moment was somebody who knew the culture, was somebody who could speak Spanish. I wish Lori O'Brien was with us on this trip, right? I was like, man, we need Lori O'Brien in this moment. Because I am totally, this guy knows he could just say whatever and he could take me for a ride and I'm going to have to do whatever he wants. And I needed in this moment an advocate. I needed somebody who knew what was going on, who was able to stand up for me and be able to be like 450 bucks, we get it, we got to pay the taxes. I understand that, but that seems a little steep. And I needed help in this moment. Now, what the writer of Hebrews is going to do today in chapter 5 is he's going to show us how Jesus is actually, he's going to use the word priest. And, and what we've learned before is that Jesus is better than the prophets. He's better than the angels. He's the, he's the better big brother, so to speak, for us. He's all of these things. And the writer is going to continue this theme of being better in the fact that Jesus is a better priest. He's better, like, what's this word priest, right? It's not a word that we talk about or normally say every day. We don't use the word priest. We see it sometimes in movies. When we say the word priest, sometimes our mind goes directly to like a, a Catholic church kind of tradition, those kind of things. But if we look at what scripture helps us understand what a priest is, it's, it's basically a bridge maker, okay? And so let's turn to Hebrews chapter 5. And this is how the writer of Hebrews is going to explain Jesus being our priest. He's the better priest. And this is what it says in verses 1 uh, through 4. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to what? Act on behalf of men in relation to God. That's what a priest does. To offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Verse 3. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for his own sins just as he does for those of the people. 
And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So here we see what the writer of Hebrews is setting us up. He's helping us explain what a priest is. A priest is someone who stands kind of, he's a go-between. He's an, he's an ambassador. He's a, literally, this word comes from like a bridge builder. So there's one side that you can't get across, and what the, the, the priest is supposed to do is between you and God is build a bridge so that you can communicate, so that you can have understanding, because these two things are so far apart from each other, they speak two different kind of languages, but the priest is able to be such as an ambassador. Oh, I speak Spanish and I speak English. Let me try to communicate so you both understand each other. And so the writer of Hebrews is going to help us see that. Now, here, here's, here's the problem, is that a lot of us think, well, why do we need a priest, right? I mean, it's the year 2022. Um, I don't need this. I have all the information at my fingertips. Um, I've heard about God. I can go directly to God. And while those things are true, we still have the problem that sin separates us from God. Sin separates us. The, we all carry this, whether we no matter how many good things you've done this week, no matter how many dogs you walked, no matter how many elderly people you've helped across the street, no matter how much money you've given to the church, no matter how many times you smiled at somebody, no matter how well you've treated people in your life, all of the good things that we all like to feel good about ourselves, none of those, those things will earn you a way back to God. Because of sin. The moment we've sinned, we've, which we've all sinned, what happens is it separates us from God. It creates this chasm that none of us can cross. And so the writer of Hebrews is going to say, actually, Jesus is a priest. Jesus is the bridge builder. And he's not only a bridge builder, he's the better bridge builder, and we're going to see that this morning. So I'm going to give us three things um, on how Jesus is the better priest this morning. And the first one is this. The writer of Hebrews says, not only is he a priest, but he is the great high priest. This is how the writer says this. Chapter 4, go back a little bit, verses 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest. Everyone say great high priest. Yes, so good. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So here what the writer of Hebrews is assuming is that his readers understand what a priest is. And they do because a lot of the readers here are Jewish. And they've grown up in a system that would say, in order for me to please God, in order for me to have communication and relationship with God, the only way that that's done is through 
a person, a, a human person, through a priest. And what a priest would do is offer sacrifices, as we just read there, would do things to appease God's wrath against our sin. And so the, the priest would say, okay, let's make atonement for those things. Let's ask forgiveness, and it would be through a priest. And so what the writer of Hebrews now is going to say is, actually, yes, we need a priest, but Jesus is not just a priest. He's a great high priest. Now, let's double-click what we just double-clicked, all right? Stay, stay with me for a moment. A great high priest is like, a high priest is like the top dog priest, all right? He is like, he's like the president. And then you got like the VP, and then you got the speaker of the house. Is that how that works? And then you got, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, the, the high priest is like the top guy. And so what a high priest would do once a year would go into a tent that was set apart for worshiping God. It was called the Holy of Holies, this, this, where God's presence was meant to dwell. And what he would do is he would offer sacrifices for the nation of Israel once a year. Once a year he would come in there and he had to do all these rituals. He had to do all these things to make sure that he was like, he was uh, not going to do anything that messed it up. He had to like wear all these clothes a certain way. And here, here's the problem with the high priest. The high priest was a human. And so because of that, they would tie, this is true, they would tie a rope around the priest's leg and they would put little bells around his pants. So why would they do that? Because if there was anything that the priest did wrong or if he had sin in his heart, the moment he stepped into the presence of God, what would happen? Ba-doom. Uh, is Shadrach okay in there? I don't hear the bling, jingling of the bells. Now, what are you going to do if you're not the guy who's allowed to be in there and he's dead? Well, that's why we tie a rope around his leg so that we can drag him back out. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying, Jesus is not just some mere human earthly priest who may have committed a sin and God forbid, now what everything, the work that he's done is now null and void. No, he is a great high priest because Jesus himself is God. Now, I don't know if you've thought about this, about the reality of Jesus being God and going to the Father on your behalf. It should blow your sinful mind that God himself has made a way for you to be right with himself through himself. That he's not so big and far and far off that he's like, uh, leave that to the, like the little plebs, right? The little the wannabes. No, he himself, God himself, has made a way to build a bridge for you and me so that we can have a relationship with God. He didn't leave it to somebody else. And so when the writer of Hebrews says, Jesus, the great high priest, he's so much better. He's so much better. Other. He's so much more lofty. Now, lofty. This should give us confidence. It really should. And I think the writer of Hebrews is going to tell us hey, there's three things. There's always three, isn't there? There's always three. But there's three areas that you're going to find confidence. Here, look at them with me. Number one, it should give us confidence to hold fast our confession. Hold fast your confession. Um, wh wh why is he explaining this to us? He's saying, if Jesus is God, and Jesus is the priest, and he's the one who's done the bridge building, 
Hold fast to the faith that you confess. Now, why does that give us confidence in our faith? Well, here's the reality. If Jesus built the bridge, if Jesus did the work, and Jesus is God, who else do you want to build a bridge that you have to cross? And if you don't cross it, you're going to fall into the lava, so to speak, down below. Don't you want God to build that bridge? Do you think that bridge is going to be perfect? Do you think it's going to have, it can support the weight of your sin? Do you think it's going to be able to support all of the, the bad stuff that you've done in your life to be able to carry you across to the other side? Absolutely. So for those of us here this morning who call ourselves Christians, who have put our hope and our faith in Jesus and we follow him, and then what he says is, come follow me as, I, as, as we do the will of the Father. And you're like, oh, I don't know, this seems a little scary sometimes, right? This seems like, whoa, this takes a lot of faith. What Jesus is saying, don't worry about it. I've secured the bridge. It can hold no matter how much your sin weighs. And Jesus is the better. So we hold on to our confession. Uh, it's not about me having to like white knuckle my faith. It's about me putting my hope in Jesus, the great high priest. Where else does it give us confidence? Well, we see in that verse that it's, there's confidence that Jesus cares about us. It says that he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. How much, how much of us here this morning are feeling like, man, this world is going bonkers right now? I'm feeling that. Like, uh, just being totally honest, I, was, I am a little bit more freaked out about gas prices than I was about COVID. I'm just being honest, okay? So I'm just telling you where I, that's where I go. I'm like, uh, this is like almost 100% more than it was like two, week, two years ago. How am I going to live, right? And my mind starts going, how am I, am I ever going to be able to drive? I should not, I'm going to get a bike. That's what I'm going to do, get a bike. I'm going to be super fit. And my mind starts going all these, like, and some of us are like, what if World War III happens? Like, what if this crazy guy, he's just like losing his mind and he's going to do whatever. He doesn't care and destroys his own economy. If he's able to destroy his own economy, why doesn't he just care? He'll just start nuking the world. What is, what is what if all this stuff happens? And Jesus cares about how you feel about that. He is your great high priest. And he's not like, well, I built the bridge and just trust in it. And like, here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. He built the bridge. He is the bridge. And so as we're walking across the bridge, he's like holding our hand. And he's encouraging us. And he's saying, listen, I know this is scary, but you can do this. I am with you. And not only am I with you, I know exactly how you feel. I was human. I am human. I went through every single thing that you've gone through and you will go through. I can sympathize with you. That gives us confidence that we're not on our own. And the third thing, it gives us confidence to approach the throne of God. If this bridge has been built and it's meant for you and me, no longer do we have to like grovel it doesn't mean we come arrogantly to God. We don't go be like, hey, what's up, God? Hey, yeah, like smacking gum, you know. Hope you're having a good day. I am. Cool, you know. No, not that kind of attitude. We know the price that was paid for us. We know it cost big. And so therefore, we come with humbleness to God. 
but we don't come like, is God going to accept me? You know, like I have a little puppy right now. He's about six months old and he's still doing puppy stuff. And every once in a while he'll dig out in the yard and I'm like, Henry, right? And, I, and he goes, right? And then, and then he'll come up and, and how does he approach? Right? And rightly so, you know? But for you and me, See, we only time, sometimes we approach God with like our tail between our legs because we think somehow God's gonna, he, the, the sacrifice, the, the thing, the, the work that Jesus did wasn't enough. And so we have to come feeling like, okay, I didn't do a really good job this week. So God, I know you're probably really mad at me. Please don't kill me. But, you know, no, it's this truth. We come confidently to the throne of God because the work that, God looks at when he sees us, he doesn't see our work, he sees Jesus' work. And so we're able to go, Lord, I come humbly, but I come boldly. Like my kids. They'll be like, what's up, Dad? I mean, sometimes they do that, right? But they should be like, Dad, thank you, you're the best in the world. Like, <laughs> worship you, Dad. All this kind of stuff, right? Bow down, we're not worthy, Dad. But they should also know that they can come to me and be like, Dad, can I give you a hug? And I'm like, absolutely. I'm not like, well, you, you didn't take out the trash. I mean, sometimes I do that, you know, because I'm imperfect. All right. So Jesus is the great high priest. That's how he's better. But number two, um, this is a big one, guys. He became what he had to become to do what we couldn't do. I know that's a, a long point, but I think it's important. He became what he had to become to do what we couldn't do. So here, what the writer of Hebrews is, he first establishes this truth that Jesus is God. But now what he's going to do is on the other side of the coin, he's going to establish this truth that Jesus is fully human as well. Okay? And now stay with me here a moment because this is going to help us understand why we need to understand point number two. Jesus, yes, fully God, but Jesus, yes, fully man, fully human. This is what the writer of Hebrews says. Look at chapter five, verse seven through eight. It says, in the days of his, what, flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. So here what the writer of Hebrews is doing, he's saying, listen, Jesus wasn't just some phantom, vapor spirit God who made himself manifest to you kind of here and there, and you're like, oh, was that Jesus? Yeah, I think I saw him. Well, like, oh, no, like he was in the flesh. Jesus subjected himself in the flesh, now this makes us ask the question, why? I mean, if you were God, wouldn't you just want to come in your like magnificence to fix a problem? Whenever there's a problem, I try to throw all my energy and all my power and all my intellect into this thing. And I try to show my mastery over this thing. And why wouldn't God, in a, in a spiritual way, so to speak, do the same thing with sin? Why wouldn't he just come and come and like 
sin. Pew, pew, pew. And like we're all like, well, we all totally changed by the presence of this omnipotent God who comes. No, why would he come and humble himself? Why would he make himself a baby in a manger born outside by camels and sheep and shepherds and in, 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 in a, such an unclean kind of environment and then continue to subject himself to earthly things where he's still tempted but then he's hungry. The word of God says that he had no place to lay his head. He was a man of sorrows. Why in the world would Jesus be fully man and not just 100% God. Well, here's the problem. Man created this chasm that separated us from God. And because man created it, man has to fix it. Um, all right, I'm going to do an illustration here for a moment. Riley, come on, buddy. Help me up. Come over here. All right. I want you to stand right there. And um, Jeff, come here. I want you to stand over here. All right. Now, now pretend, I, when I was a kid, I used to play this game, the, the Floor is Lava. I don't know if you remember that. But like, I'd be with my friends, and we'd be in the house. And like, if you touch the floor, you're done, right? And so you had to jump from like chair and couch and all these kind of things. And I'm sure it drove my parents crazy. But we loved it, because it was like your imagination. It was like, okay, so... Become a six-year-old right now. Oh, whoa, whoa, what's going on with the floor? It's getting really hot, isn't it? You see it? Oh, like you feel the heat? Oh, okay, all that stuff. That's what's happening. Now, Riley is a man, and Jeff is God, obviously, okay? <laughs> Riley has to get to Jeff in order to be saved. But there's this problem. There's this huge chasm here. The only way Riley can get from here to there is that he has to some way not get burned up by the lava. Now, you're not allowed to cheat, okay? All right, because there's, there's no cheating. God knows. He sees stuff. So, Riley, your only hope, I don't care, you, but you, right here is the line, and from here to all the way to Jeff is lava. Your only hope to get over there is to jump, okay? Let, maybe you're, did you go to Mount Sac? For, okay, why don't you scoot back a little bit? Why don't you scoot back a little bit? Let's make this more obvious. Okay, now... I want you to try. You can, you can run. I don't care what you do. Thanks, Jeff. But you got to get to Jeff with one single bound like Superman. And let's see how far you get. All right? Come on. Now, pressure's on. Okay, I'm the line. You're not allowed to make it because it will ruin my illustration. All right? I'm the line. All right. Come on. Let's see. What do you got? Okay. Why are you clapping? He's dead. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Now, here is the problem. <laughs> because Riley's the one who messed this up, Riley's the one who has to fix it. Can Riley fix it? I mean, he might have all the contractor skills in the world. He just he doesn't have the ability to do it. Now, here's... Give, give me help here, guys, Jeff and Riley. And you guys know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Okay, we're going to take these chairs, and we're going to put them up, and we're going to build a bridge. So, Jeff. Are you going to make me lay across the chairs? I'm not going to make you lay across the chairs. Because you're the father. Now, 
Jeff, you're on the other side of these. Now, somehow there's been a bridge built here. And this is what we call Christ's work on our behalf. When we talk about Jesus being the high priest, he's a bridge builder. He knows that because we broke the problem, we created the problem, but we have no power to fix it. This, is, this helps us answer, why does Jesus have to become fully man? Because fully, man's the one who messed up. Man has to fix it. We in our own power can't do it. So Jesus says, I will become man so that I can fix the problem because they can't do it. And so now when we say, hey, there's like a, a wall of spikes coming, right? Imagine that. It's rolling because he just tripped some trigger on the bottom. That's all right. That's where my mind goes, right? It's rolling. The dun, 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 all the music's happening. And he's got to get over there. And there's no way he could do it. But all of a sudden, the one who can fix it says, I can do this. He builds a bridge. There's hot lava under here. But this bridge is sturdy. It will handle. So now he says, okay, the only way I can be rescued is what? You guys get the illustration here. Good job, Riley. Comes across. All right, thanks, guys. Okay. All right, okay. You're not helping the illustration, Jeff. All right, thanks, guys. You can give them a round of applause. They did so good. Jesus is a better priest because he is both fully God and fully man. And then you might be like, well, if you're saying, Kelly, that man broke it, man has to fix it, but man has no power to fix it, and so how, why does Jesus become man? Because Jesus doesn't let go of his divinity. In his madness, in his humanness, he still is 100% God. And so that's why he's able to do this. And while he simultaneously is fully God and fully man, he creates this bridge that we can walk across now so that we can say, God, I can have relationship with you. I can now, you know, like the, the police officer's pulling me over and I don't know what to do. And he says, I'll stand in there. I speak both Spanish and English. Look at, there's a misunderstanding here. You're not speaking the same language. Let me explain and diffuse this so that you can be set free and you can go and get across the border. Number three, we see here that Jesus is the better priest because his work is eternal. I love this. I love this, friends. This gives me so much hope in the here and now as someone who often finds it hard to be a Christian. It's not easy being a Christian, is it? Being a Christian is hard because you know that like, what Jesus did for you is beautiful and that our response as followers of Jesus is meant to be like, Lord, I'll give you all of my life. But there's moments where I'm like, I don't want to do that, Right? I'd rather do my own thing. And because of that, we need someone who constantly is like, hey, I, I've already paid the price for that where you choose to do the wrong thing. And this is how the writer of Hebrews is going to explain this. Look at chapter, uh, verses 9 through 10 here toward the end. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation. Everybody say eternal. Yeah. 
to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now just push pause there. We're going to talk about Melchizedek and why that's important here in a second. But what we need to understand is this bridge that we, like it's, a, it's a, such an imperfect illustration because it's chairs, right? We know that the bridge is Christ and that's eternal. And so the problem with the earthly human priests of the Old Testament and even people who call themselves priests today, the problem with that is the work that they do and did is not eternal. See, what would happen is a priest would like offer sacrifice. You remember how I said how often they would go into the Holy of Holies in the presence of God? How often would they have to do that? At least once a year. And there were other sacrifices that were having to be done continually. See, what the writer of Hebrews is encouraging his listeners, his readers, his hearers to understand is that what Jesus has done, it's now and it's forever. It's not like, so here's where it comes to bear on our souls, right? Lord, I know I follow you, put my hope and my trust in you. Let's say it's day one of that. I'm going to cross this line of faith, so to speak, and I'm going to give you my heart, and I'm going to give you all my will and my desires, and I'm going to do my best to follow you. Well, what do we do? What ends up happening? We always mess it up, don't we? Every single time. And what do you feel like you need to do to get right with God? You feel like, man, i got to do good things. i got to go back to God. i got to ask for forgiveness. And we should ask God for forgiveness for our sins. But here's the beautiful thing about the work of Jesus being eternal for us. It was once and it's done. And that once and done is not just for that moment in period of time in history, some 2,000 years ago. Well, how in the world would that, what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago, does it that, it feels so far away. No, the truth about it is that because Jesus is fully God, when he died on the cross, the work he did was so much better than an earthly priest who has to go to God all the time because you mess up all the time. It's like somehow our sin wears off the potency of that sacrifice. And so we got to re-sacrifice. And what Jesus is saying, I'll be the one, one and done sacrifice for your sins. Why Melchizedek? Why is the writer of Hebrews, who the heck is Melchizedek? Who names their son Melchizedek? That's the worst name ever, right? Maybe if you named your kid that, maybe that's your name. We love you so much. Okay. Why is the writer of Hebrews pointing this out? See, all the other priests came from an earthly priest. It's like my sons, my kids, they are born from me in the flesh. And everything they get from the flesh is going to die and it's going to be done and it's non-eternal. When the writer of Hebrews is talking about Jesus as a priest after the order of Melchizedek, he's speaking of the fact that Melchizedek, the Bible tells us, had no beginning, had no end. I don't know, like, put that in your pipe and smoke it. I don't know who this guy is, but what he's saying is there is an eternal nature to the priest work of Melchizedek. And Jesus, his sacrifice, his bridge building, his ability to get you across the the lava of sin to the Father is eternal. And this should, friends, as followers of Jesus, help us understand where we stand with God. So when you mess it up, and we will, 
Or when you have a really good day and you think, I did all the right stuff, and you start to get arrogant and prideful, none of those things should come to bear on our standing with the Father. Because what has been done on our behalf through Jesus, that work is one and done, and it is for eternity, forever lasting. Now, the only thing that we have to ask ourselves, have we put our hope in the bridge builder? Have we submitted our hearts, our ways, our will to the one bridge builder? Or do we think, I'm a pretty good person. You know, I've watched all the Disney movies that tell me to find my inner power. I like that kind of stuff. There's a, there's, a, there's a warrior inside of me somewhere just waiting to come out. No. Your only hope to cross this chasm that you cannot do on your own is to put your hope and your faith completely and wholeheartedly in the bridge builder that is Jesus Christ. That's even for us Christians. Because sometimes we want to do it in our own power. Sometimes we think, I'm not so sure. It looks a little risky. And Jesus is saying, come follow me. I'm with you. I know how it feels. And I'm able. And I'm more than enough. I'm more than enough. Will you stand with me this morning? Let's pray.